Uh, I remember the first email that I received was, oh, for sure you mean uh, a train ticket, not a train driver. It some, some, must be some kind of mistake what you're asking there to do. And I said, no, no, I need, I need to hire a train driver. We have a train and somebody needs to drive it. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Macro, the Cisco Innovation Podcast. I'm Matt Cooling, and over the course of this series, I'll be exploring some of the many ways that technology is changing the world we live in, and changing it for the better. This month, we're talking about trains, and more specifically, one of the most enduring problems associated with travelling by rail in the UK today. Yeah, always have to, because this is... Travelling on a train for three hours up to a meeting means that I can get loads of work done only if it works. Uh, working reliably, literally about three out of ten. Three out of ten journeys. Yes, uh, so I've used Wi-Fi quite often actually. I travel home to Birmingham quite a lot, so I use Wi-Fi on the train then. It's uh, dependent. Um, I think it's actually dependent on how busy the train is. Um, sometimes it works really well and it could be really fast, um, but other times, if it's like a really packed train, I think that it's to do with that. But if it's a really packed train, it seems to um, be quite slow, so I end up using my 4G. I use train Wi-Fi twice a day on the way to work and on the way back. It works, but very slowly. It's really hard to say watch a video or, or even stream music. When Global Wireless Solutions undertook a study in 2014, they found that almost a third of mobile internet tasks failed when attempted on commuter train routes. But not being able to get a decent connection speed while you're gliding across the country impacts much more than just how many box sets you're able to watch in a lifetime. Two and a half million people using the train every day, an average of one hour trip, two and a half million hours every day get wasted because people are not connected. My name is uh, Nick Rissos. I'm the Director of Innovation for Cisco in Europe, Middle East and Africa. If, you, if, we, if we were able to introduce these two and a half million hours every day into our kind of uh, um, work, uh, working time in UK, we could shift the productivity indicator uh, upwards just by providing this kind of connectivity. The UK's productivity worlds are fairly well documented. Just this month, the Financial Times reported that between 1997 and 2008, Britain's productivity grew by only 2%, and that since then it has fallen close to zero. The newspaper's analysis has revealed that in the seven quarters since June 2016, productivity growth ran at an annual rate of just 0.8%. Some have suggested that a move to more remote and flexible working is already going some way to curtailing this sluggish dive in productivity. But remote working is itself dependent on being able to connect on the move. Your WebEx call isn't going to sound great if you're passing through a tunnel every few minutes. And beyond just productivity, there's also the fact that people's everyday lives are increasingly intertwined with, and sometimes even dependent on, digital technologies. This is particularly the case when we're making journeys, says Yatsep Palak, a senior researcher at Imperial College London. So here we are at the busy station, and if you just, instead of entering the station, just sit down and start watching people, what you will notice is that most of them tend to be looking at their phones these days. They engage in not only walking, but they are basically all the time immersed in the digital reality. And the reality is that this is how people travel these days. It's not only about sitting on a train, it's actually doing lots of things. More and more, these things involve different 
ICT, different information communication technology, smartphones, laptops, tablets. Um, I think in the future we'll be also moving towards things like you know virtual reality, augmented reality, maybe even you know technologies that we don't know yet. But the fact is, is that most of those things, if not all, will require some sort of connectivity. They will need to access resources that are somewhere else. They will need to access people that are somewhere else, things that are somewhere else. So that is really the background of Project Swift, making sure that you allow people to do that in a way that is comfortable, that people don't feel that they are traveling, but they, they're almost, you know, like at home, like at office, anywhere else, still connected, still being able to do what they do anywhere else. Um, so that is really the background of Project Swift. Yep, Project Swift, or super fast Wi-Fi in carriage for future travel, if you want to give it its full name. The project set out with the bold and ambitious aim to tackle the UK's railway connectivity issues head on. Here's Kelvin Davies from Innovate UK, the government's innovation agency, to explain where it all began. Enhancing customer experience in rail was, was an interesting competition. It, it had a pretty broad um, scope, actually. The, the scope was really just to deliver innovations that would help the customer feel that they're getting a better service while on board a train. Um, so some looked at, at access for disability customers, for instance. Um, others looked at providing better information to travellers about how to, to make onward connections. And Swift looks firmly and squarely at, at the experience of the traveller while on board the train, just making sure that they can, they can stay connected. As Kelvin suggests, Project Swift was part of a wider programme that his agency funded, along with the Rail Safety and Standards Board and Cisco's Country Digital Acceleration Programme. Yes, so um, we essentially were um, part funders of the project along with uh, Innovate UK. I'm Mark Benton, I'm a project manager for the Rail Safety Standards Board. Uh, it's money that was um, provided to us through the Department for Transport and various grants that they gave us over the last five or so years. Uh, and we elected to go, as I say, with uh, Innovate UK on uh, a larger programme called uh, Air 3, which is what Swift was part of. And that was all about enhancing um, customer experience. Indeed, this is just part of the work the RSSB does. And over the past 15 years, the RSSB's scope and responsibilities have expanded. RSSB have been involved in uh, something called the Rail Technical Strategy for the last five or so years. And a big element of that has been something called the four C's, which was improving carbon, reducing cost, improving capacity, and also improving customer service. And getting access to high-speed Wi-Fi very much uh, taps into the improving the customer experience uh, aspect of that. So, with a clear challenge established, the innovation team at Cisco set about putting together a consortium of diverse partners to tackle the issue. This included recruiting some of the brightest minds from across Cisco's business, as well as contributors from universities and startups to bring their own unique perspective to the programme. But as you might expect, getting a train running online is far from a straightforward task. Here's Nick Grissos again. So technically, um, putting this kind of connectivity on a train, it's, uh, it's, it's feasible. Uh, but it does require an amazing infrastructure and it does require some really, really cool technology to make it happen. Uh, first, you need uh, available infrastructure along the track. Every track has to be connected to the extended network. And then you need to connect 
onto the train uh, using Wi-Fi technology with enough access points. But the, the caveats, you must be able to do it when the train goes with more than 100 miles an hour. You must be able to do it when you have multiple trains, the one next to the other, uh, on the track. You must be able to do it when the train is on a turn. You must be able to do it when the train is in a tunnel. So when you take all this into consideration, when you, when you look at the track and you look all the possible elements that really can be disruptive in the connectivity and you resolve all these issues, then you can, you can establish an amazing system that could provide this connectivity. You match that with the need to have a very reliable, robust system, secure system to, to provide this connectivity. And you will see that Cisco is very uniquely placed to be the best company to really do this. So it's, uh, it, was, um, it was almost uh, you know, our, our duty to really, to really get involved and make this real. I think the challenge with um, the industrial verticals are, is, first of all, you really have to understand how they operate to be able to help the customers in those domains. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be somebody that had focused on, on the rail vertical. And specifically, the UK rail vertical is probably the most complex uh, globally from a, from a fragmentation perspective in the way it's organised. Um, uh, and there's a lot of challenges working in a domain, and actually, you'd really have to understand that to be kind of cre- both both credible and relevant. And and absolutely, I think that's been a you know a help for the rest of the team. That's Steve Matthews, one of Cisco's solutions architects who worked closely on Project Swift and has extensive experience of working on industrial and railway projects. Along with Andy Longyear, another railway sector specialist engineer from Cisco, Steve was able to bring his years of experience into play. And it is very difficult, you know, almost impossible for someone just to get up to speed in a very short time. You have to have a good degree of background in understanding uh, many of the challenges. Uh, a simple example would be compliance, understanding what you can actually put onto a train uh, and what the compliance requirements are. It, it's, it's very different to, to most other areas of the business. But more than just navigating compliance issues, the team would have to contend with lots of other things that wouldn't cross the mind of the average passenger wanting to surf the web. Things that Nick Christos mentioned earlier, like the speed of the train and maintaining connection when going round corners. And for the most part, those test conditions can only really be replicated by getting out there and trying things out in a real-world environment. So it would be absolutely impossible um, to do a project like this without working to some degree on a real railway. You know, you can put stuff on a bench, and, and I think this is another difference between this kind of industrial vertical and your general enterprise you know for most things in general enterprise you can build them in a data center you can build them on a bench and get a pretty good chance of being similar because nothing is moving i think the challenges with the rail is first of all things move a lot secondly it's very hard to have them in the places that you want them at the right time uh, and, and therefore and you have to deploy a lot of infrastructure track side um, before you can really prove anything thankfully via their contacts in the rail industry, Steve and Andy were able to find somewhere to test out their solutions. It's an ex-Ministry of Defence site, actually. It's based uh, about 20 minutes from Stratford-upon-Avon in a place called Longmaston. But it has um, a unique feature in that it actually has uh, effectively an oval test track. I have to tell you, uh, getting a truck, putting a train on the truck... Uh, getting a driver to drive the train, uh, talking about stories. Um, I have uh, been in the innovation. I have a lot of times uh, 
um, put things forward in Cisco to to expense that uh, raised some eyebrows. But putting forward a request for to pay the salary for a train driver, that's something that our financial controllers, our internal accountants, uh, really, really had a lot of questions about. Uh, I remember the first email that I received was, oh, for sure you mean uh, a train ticket, not a train driver. It some, some, must be some kind of mistake what you're asking there to do. And I said, no, no, I need, I need to hire a train driver. We have a train and somebody needs to drive it. I would drive it myself, but they don't let me. So I need to hire, I need to hire a driver. In fact, despite the slightly confused emails it might have generated from Nick's financial controllers, this commitment to testing in a real-world environment was something that caught the eye of the Innovate UK and RSSB judges at the very beginning of the bid process. It also meant that the team would be able to move more quickly, from trying out their solution on the Oval in Stratford-upon-Avon to seeing how it fared on a live track being used to ferry passengers across the country. Here's Mark Benton from the RSSB again. Most of the the proposals talked about putting something in place in a, in a test environment and, and gathering some further information and, and then moving it on at a later stage. But Swift elected to do it actually in a live environment uh, and battling against an awful lot of environmental factors. Uh, I think they had to contend with some landslips and some really horrible late snow, in, um, but all of that was overcome and um, so far it's been extremely successful. I think it's about 5 99 to pay for Wi-Fi on the train. Um, I'd probably say three out of 10 times it's good. So fairly low. Um, I think the worst was when I was trying. I was on a really long um, train journey, and I was really bored. And I was uh, I just wanted to watch a film, and the Wi-Fi wasn't working. So I just thought, oh, I was going to watch it on 4G. And then I got a text through from um, Vodafone saying I'd gone over, so I got charged. Um, I feel quite frustrated if I've paid for something that then doesn't work. Um, I've often sent um, angry emails um, about it, um, just and they just come back apologising, um, not really offering anything. Proving that the technology works is often only half the challenge when you're working on an innovation project. As obvious as the benefits might seem to the people who've been toiling away to make everything work as it should, you still need to show how your new solution is going to improve the lives of those who could end up using it. And that was no different in the case of Project Swift. Innovate UK's Kelvin Davies explains. The, the best projects to work on are typically those where the end user is involved. So an organisation who has a real interest in the, the innovation being developed. And that's really for two reasons. One, one is, yes, they, they are ultimately potentially the customer for the innovation, but also they're the challenge area owner. So those are the organisations that know what they want, that know what uh, the product should look like and precisely what it should, what it should do. And without that critical element, um, projects can often um, head in the wrong direction slightly and need nudging back. So the most successful projects are often those that, that has a consortium or a collaboration with the, the innovation provider, so the technologists, if you like, and the challenge area owners, so in this case, the railway companies. The aim, then, was not only to prove the viability and benefits of the solution, but to start building out a commercialisation model for the technology at the same time, too. 
My name is Richard Osborne. Um, I work for Cisco. I'm an enterprise architect, which could mean anything, but in this, it means I, I take a bit of a role in, in developing the business cases. I understand the architectural solution, and I also get involved in the sales. There's, there's a certain momentum that you need to keep going. Um, and if we, if we just approach an innovation project, if we, we deliver the innovation project, and then it's successful. And so right now we think, right, how do we build this into a service? There's an awful lot of cycles you, you have to go through then, because by definition, these innovation projects are something we're not delivering now. So we need to build often a new business model about how we deliver it. We need to build out that solution. We need to document it. Um, we need to build a team around it. And by the time we've done that, you know, a lot of that momentum and a lot of that political excitement and that customer excitement that we've built through the innovation project is lost. If you can work on how do I commercialize it and build a service around it at the same time as you're, you're delivering that innovation project, you can move straight on from trial to service. On Project Swift, this process took a two-pronged approach and involved collaboration with MBA students from Imperial College London and a London-based startup called Witos. Let's start with the students. Richard explains what they brought to the project. Yeah, so we had a group of MBA students and, uh, and, and these MBA students helped with really two things. They, they interviewed um, passengers to understand what difference would it made if they had high-speed connectivity. And so that gave us some of that real anecdotal passenger satisfaction evidence. Uh, and the second thing they did is they really thought outside of the box in terms of what benefits could this bring much broader than just passenger connectivity. You know, so how could this connectivity be used um, for wider benefits on the railway, for things like public sector broadband and so forth? Considering the full breadth of possible business cases in this way is absolutely crucial to any innovation project, according to Yatset Pavlak from Imperial College London. Absolutely. I mean, business use cases are crucial to innovation projects. And the word innovation tends to be very much abused. Uh, by different people just, you know, trying to, trying to build gadgets. Business use case in an innovation project is like a heart because without a business use case, which is about solving a real problem, making a difference to someone, saving some money, bringing new money, something like that, or solving other wider problems, is essential to make a new technology or um, a novelty into innovation. This is the definition of innovation. It's, some, it's a solution to a problem. So business use case, absolutely essential to make, you know, a novelty into innovation, into something, something that actually helps someone. At the same time, London-based startup Witos was hard at work developing a platform through which some of the use cases could be implemented. They also conducted an open innovation program to bring new ideas into the project. We caught up with Witos founder and CEO, Amy Lai at ID London, Cisco's innovation centre based in the capital. So super fast Wi-Fi connectivity on trains is a great thing, uh, but what we're trying to uh, do with Project Swift is to go a little further, and our company has a chance to uh, participate in uh, building new services that sit on top of this capability. Amy explained how her company's technology could be applied in a real-world context, and specifically the live trials being conducted in Scotland for Project Swift. So the way our, our software works is to analyse in real time um, where a train is. Uh, we know that a passenger is connected on the train, so we can tell where the direction of travel is for, for a passenger. So just to give you an example of apps that would find that interesting uh, is uh, things 
that we did in the Open Innovation Project as part of uh, Project SWIFT, which uh, we led as a, a, as a platform starting point. Uh, we had uh, companies that were doing things like daily deals. So if you can imagine, and we're uh, working in Scotland, the Edinburgh Fringe is coming up. Um, there are a lot of performances that get unsold uh, or people don't know that they exist. Uh, so if you could have a last minute ticket, uh, that's great for the, the uh, event and also great for the passenger to match make and have, have a chance to do something that they may, maybe wouldn't otherwise do. Uh, we had another service then that could go further to take the passenger that was coming off the train to get to their final destination in a ride share. So ride share or taxi sharing is quite um, uh, a big topic at the moment, uh, but that on its own is not enough to create that end-to-end -end journey for the passenger. So if they've got a, a purpose to get to a destination, uh, a, a good deal, both on a ticket as well as a ride, then we're going to have a lot more efficiency of, of matching uh, commercial offers to passengers' interests. Being able to bring more creative and agile startups and SMEs into the fold can have a hugely beneficial impact on innovation projects like Swift. The great thing about being in an Innovate project where there is a mix of um, more established companies and younger companies is really the fusion of the different ideas. Uh, so as an SME, we've come from the startup environment and here at Ideal, we're surrounded by lots of startups thinking about what the future could look like. Uh, and when we're having those conversations in an Innovate context around um, you know, the spirit of innovating something and co-creating something new, uh, the enterprises have to start looking outside of their traditional paths of, of uh, creating something new or delivering something. And that's a really great uh, opportunity then to try it out in the field and, and see if it's going to work and if it's going to like make a difference and impact. Cisco's Richard Osborne agrees. They really brought different thinking to, to, to what we could deliver on the railway. and and. And they looked very much at what could it mean for um, the passenger of tomorrow, if you like. How are they going to organise their travel? How would they organise ride shares when they get off the train? What kind of experience would they be looking for? Um, and so they brought like a different level of innovation that we'd have ever been able to manage, if you like, as a, as a large multinational. Given the scale and ambition of the project, access to that different level of innovation was just what was needed. Richard's colleague, Greg Butler, joined us via WebEx, though not from a border moving train in this case. So the reality is, when we bid for Swift, if we had any idea what we were in for, we never would have bid it. The complexity, the time, the effort has been absolutely immense. But the reality is, is that's the reason why nobody has managed to solve the problem today. So we're glad we did do it. We're glad we did commit to it. And as a result of it, now that we've cracked how to actually deliver this type of service on the UK rail corridor, which as we said before, is one of the most complex in the world. This now presents us in a fantastic position to deliver this, not only UK-wide, but beyond the UK into other, into other countries or regions. And ultimately that's what it's all about, coming up with ideas that can make the world a better place. Innovate UK's Kelvin Davies and RSSB's Mark Benton have both been reflecting on the project's achievements. So could, could SWIFT change the world? Well, I, th I think you'd, you'd agree that the uh, connectivity has changed the world for the last, over the last decades. Uh, it's enabling people to, to work remotely, to work from home more, to work while they're on the move and generally be more productive. So, so SWIFT is, is one of those jigsaw pieces we need as a society 
to to help the railway traveller, be that traveller, you know, on a train in a remote bit of the country or or classically in a tunnel, to stay connected and and hopefully we can get away from that um, dreaded phrase you often hear on trains, which is passengers always introducing themselves by saying they're on a train and then uh, the classic phrase, I'm about to go into a tunnel. So Swift is all designed to to help to get rid of that and to deliver the 24-7 connectivity that we need going forward. I, I think it's it, it's difficult to say because you know ten, ten years ago nobody had smartphones in their pockets, uh, and the, the speed at which uh, wireless communications and, and and the actual speed of transfer of data that uh, has occurred over the you know the last few years is is rapidly increasing. So the more speed and data that you're able to transfer, the more opportunities that opens up. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's limited only by people's imaginations about how much this can actually benefit. Um, we, we know that you know connected and autonomous vehicles require five G speeds, uh, and this is definitely one of those um, enablers of, of that. So yeah, I think it's got an awful lot of potential. As I say, only limited by our own imaginations. I think. And since he wasn't allowed to have a go at driving Cisco's connected train himself, I'll let Nick Chrysos have the last word on this one. Sky's the limit on what you can do when you establish this kind of connectivity. And uh, the project has, if anything, has showed that uh, there are so many things that we can really introduce uh, by providing this connectivity on the train. So what's next for Swift? Well, any of you regular rail users will be pleased to hear that the team is currently exploring the possibility of rolling out the technology with a number of rail operators in the UK. We've also been able to take our discoveries from Swift forward onto other innovation projects with 5G connectivity at their core. But that's all I'll say about that for now, as you'll no doubt be hearing more on a future episode of this podcast series. If you've been enjoying the series so far, then make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode you'll find us on all the usual podcast providers. And if you're feeling especially generous, then why not leave us a nice review on iTunes? It'll help others like yourself find out about Macro. Thanks for listening, and until next time. I have become a train spotter, yes. (laughs) 